welcome back. This is Once Upon a Phrase. I'm your host, Jason. And your other host, Lisa. And before we get started, your annual, well, I guess not annual, weekly, bi-weekly reminder, <laughs> whatever. Rate, review, wherever you're listening to us. It really does help. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Once Upon a Phrase. And if you're in the Chicagoland area, you got to stop by Fat Chris's Pizza and such. They specialize in Detroit-style pizza, but their other pizzas just as good. Also, some season two things that you may not have heard about yet. We are doing bi-weekly episodes this season. Also, the newest thing for season two is listeners' phrases. So, if you've been dying to know what a certain phrase that you and your friends or family use or that you've heard, please feel free to submit it to us on Instagram or any other social media platform you follow us on. Or if you know us personally, feel free to send us a text. We'd love to share them. Okay, so this episode is another part two. Uh, that's the joy of season two. We can start doing those part twos. Um, one that's near and dear to my heart because it's food. My favorite. Yes. So, uh, Lisa, why don't you get us started? What is your first phrase you want to talk to us about? So, my phrase is bring home the bacon. Are you familiar with this one? Oh, absolutely. I could make a really corny joke here about how I bring home the bacon. We bring home the bacon. Oh, we make the exact same salary. <laughs> yes, so I can't make that joke, but go on. So for our listeners, uh, bringing home the bacon or bring home the bacon refers to usually the person making the living, the person making more of the money, like usually the bread breadwinner in the house. Another Breadwinner, yeah. Yeah. How did that, that guys, that's not even on our list. <laughs> that didn't even occur to us. I had to use another one to explain this one, yes. So it's to someone who is making a living, right? So I, I found this one very interesting because I didn't think it was going to date back so far. But one of the possible origins is that it date, dates back to the 12th century in England. Whoa. Yeah. Usually it's ancient Greece or Egypt, but this one goes back to England. So it dates back to a church in a town of Dunmo. And they used to offer a side of bacon. To, there was ever a way to get me in church? That'd be it. Has <laughs> church thought about bringing this back? I don't know. Decided, sorry, go on. I know they have like the pancake, pancake Saturdays and stuff like that, and potlucks. I don't know about pancakes, but or not. I don't know about bacon, shall I say? But so they would offer a side of bacon to any man who could swear that he has not fought with his wife for a year and a day. <laughs> What? What? Hold on. This is not about work at all. Um, no, not a, that's one origin. No. Okay, so let me get this. So, do you mean not fought with their wife? Like, has not argued? Or are we talking ancient? I guess not ancient times, but uh, I mean the twelfth century. Do you mean like beating your wife or arguing with your wife? They, they weren't very clear, but they said if you were able to, like, solemnly swear and confirm that you had not fought with your wife for a year and a day, you'd bring home bacon. Literal bacon. So, I guess I'm confused on what they did with all that extra bacon the church had. I don't know why any married couple that doesn't fight for a year. A year and a day, apparently. Imagine getting into an argument on the year anniversary. Oh, I'd be, I'd be pissed more. I'd be more and pissed about that. you'd be the that. reason we didn't have bacon, Lisa. <laughs> I'd be more mad about that than anything else than the fight we're having. Um, so another possible origin is that uh, dates back to the 1500s. 
uh, state fairs. So I've never been to a state fair, but I don't know if they still have them. But or I know they still I know they still have them. We've definitely I don't been know. to a state fair together. Oh, you're gonna do it. You're gonna make me post a picture on our Instagram of you riding the mechanical bull. That was a carnival in, in no, Lincolnwood. That was, that was a, a nope. That was a carnival in Lincolnwood to get a funnel cake, and we were there, and I rode a mechanical bull. I'm gonna post it anyways and say we were at a state fair. Go on. Okay, I guess look forward to that picture, guys. Um. So another possible way that this phrase began was in the 1500s at state fairs, where I guess one of the things that you could do, activities, was to catch a pig. But the pigs were super, super, super greasy, greased up on purpose, obviously. And so the goal was to catch the pig. If you were able to catch the pig, you got to take it home. So you literally brought home the oh, bacon. Okay, so, well, I think in both both possible explanations, you quite literally brought home bacon. Right. So I And, like, now we know bacon refers to just a specific part of the pig, but then bacon just referred to, like, the meat, like, the pork yeah, they as just, a whole. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was also used, uh, we talked about a lot of these phrases that the media kind of carries them. So another way that this phrase kind of got its momentum going was, Back in 1906, there was a boxing match with Joe Gans, and they mentioned that Joe's mom told her son before the fight that all the eyes are on you. Everyone says you ought to win. Uh, Peter Jackson will tell me the news, and you bring home the bacon. So that phrase itself kind of grew its momentum being okay. Hearing someone say it, you know. Yeah, and I feel like in that situation, you know, bacon is you know. It's the more common meaning, like to bring home the money, uh, right? So, assuming this is a prize fight, that makes right. sense. Especially... And it was it was published in the New York Times, so that's kind of how it began. Began more like I guess mainstream media. Oh yeah, the New York Times, especially in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. very mainstream. So this that was probably the first time it was used in that sense, which is not how we use it. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because, you know, because we do a lot of research on etymology and origins, the algorithms catch up with us. So I've actually got. Uh, an Instagram page I'll give a shout out to. It's called the Etymology Nerd. Uh, and I just stumbled into a video this guy made where he talked about the importance of food-related phrases. And let's say you're talking about bringing home the bacon or... Uh, what Being the it? breadwinner. Breadwinner, yeah. yeah. So there is a certain connection we make in the English language between food-related phrases and like money or success. And what? for some reason, they're just connected. Well, I feel like it's one of those things where, I mean, when you, I don't speak another language, but with different languages, there's different words to refer to specific items. But food, I think, is pretty universal. I mean, they have their own word for a food item, but that food is a universal term. So using those uh, phrases like breadwinner or bring home the bacon, it's universally understood and can be translated. And, and I think the reason is because what do you need to buy food? Money. You need money, and money is success. So whenever you're talking about a form of success, like being the breadwinner or bringing home the bacon, doing something successful, it gets related to food because food, you need money, and money equates to success. And even today, like, I mean, these phrases you're talking about being from the 12th century and the 15th century and all that, today, even the new hip lingo that people are making up are related to food. The amount of times I've heard our teenage <laughs> daughter say, 
oh, I ate that up, you know? It, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yes. so, uh-huh. uh, what's another one I can think? Oh, uh, to get that bread or to make dough. Or if you, what do they used to say? Like, you got served or, you know, you got, you're cooked. You know, I don't know why these ones are the ones popping up in my head right now. <laughs> I maybe should have written some of these down. But all of those. I don't use those, but yes, I've heard no, them. but you've heard them. So yes, all of those 100%. Movies, about, TV, friends, yeah, yeah. That you did something well or you were successful at something are food related because food equals success because you need the thing in the middle, which is money. Well, I think I think that just, I mean, even past etymology perspective, I even remember having conversations with, you know, like friends. If you're talking to a friend, like, oh, what did you do this weekend? And they say, oh, we went to this steakhouse or something. And like, oh, you got money. Because having ni- having certain foods, right, equals having some sort of a status. Like, you're not going out for a steak dinner if you are strapped for cash. No. So it definitely well, and it relates think, itself, too. If you even go back to what you were talking about, the 12th and the 15th century and those old mm-hmm. times, you don't even, I mean, we don't even need to talk about steak dinners, just food in general. You right, know having I mean? a big piece of pork, a big pig to eat. Or just meat. Versus, yeah. You're just having, having meat bread, instead of right. bread. Yeah, so it's, you know, it says a lot how we relate food to success, but that actually leads pretty nicely into my next phrase. What are you going to tell us about? Uh, so, do you know what a slush fund is? I've definitely heard the phrase, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what it means. So a slush fund is either by a company or a government organization that it's it's their extra money. If their slush fund is like their rainy day fund, they can use it to fund certain projects or buy, you know, lunch for... So like leftover money? Um, not necessarily leftover, just the extra put aside, right? So after like everything is allocated to where it needs to go, this is money that has no place at this moment kind of thing? Uh, no, it, it's... It's put aside on purpose. Like they'll allocate X amount of percent for the slush fund, for these emergency things, for these extra projects, stuff okay. like that. Um, so it's not left over. It's it's intentionally uh, allocated to the slush. Anyways, um, it's on the food episode one because it sounds like the word slushy. But and I don't think it has anything to do with slushies, does it? Absolutely. Well, it has nothing to do with the Seven Eleven slushies that we know and love. <laughs> Um, and every time I think about slushies, I just think of that promo 7-Eleven runs at sometimes. Where, where you can bring any container, yes. humanly possible, and it's like, they give you like one flat price or something, right? Yeah. So, has nothing to do with that sort of slushy. Okay. But it slush is food related. So, in the, you know, in the time of the wars, um, you know, in World War One and World War Two, they had the men on the boats, either the, um, the Navy and things like that, okay. they're cooks, right? And, I mean... You all gotta ma- eat. Yeah, but all, all the military has cooks, but specifically the ones out on the boats with the Navy. Um, and I guess this would be true for all, you know, shipmen that were out, even, I guess, if they're not in the military. But they would often boil their meat. Um, it was, it was it like a sanitary thing? No, or it was, it was like probably just the most effective it? way to okay. cook it, yeah. And what was left over in that weird boiled meat water it's all the fat you should see this meat. face he's making it doesn't yeah. make it sound appetizing at all well i said boiled meat water so <laughs> um, it, it was sort of a slush doesn't make you hungry no no because well the it would congeal and it would get weird all the fat rises at the top yeah funkiness okay so what the cooks would actually do is after the boat docked 
they would steal this stuff. They would put it in giant containers or jars and sneak it off the boat and sell it. Who is buying gross congealed meat water or meat juice? Oh, there are a lot of professional like candle makers, things like that, that they need the animal fat. Oh, okay. You know, so it actually... You, you know, want a meat juice candle? Should I should I place that order for Valentine's Day coming up? Is so, that what we're doing here? Side note about a meat juice candle. <laughs> Lisa, one time for her father, got like a bacon candle. Was it birthday or mm-hmm. something? And well, because he would... So, side, side note, my mom would go to Bath and Body Works and get all these like fruity, scented ones. And my dad would complain day in, day out about how he hated that smell. So, for a joke, thinking it was a joke, I got him a bacon-flavored candle. Well, Dad lit this candle, and nobody in the house knew, and your mom and brother thought something was burning, and they spent, like, what, 20 or 30 minutes searching the house, checking the oven, looking at the pilot light, like, trying to find out where this smell was coming from until they found <laughs> out that your dad had just lit your bacon candle. Thank you to me, right? Um... But so, so they would sneak this stuff off the boat, this, this slush water, this, this meat juice. Um, and it was like a slush. It was the same consistency as a slushy, I guess, if we're trying to Well, I mean, like, the, when, whenever we think of, like, when we drain the meat from the skillet and we put it in the container, all that stuff just kind of congeals and becomes, like, I don't know, like a, like Crisco, essentially. Yeah, it's Bacon fat. fat yeah. yeah. Um, but it was the same consistency as, like, a slushy. It was halfway. So it was a prized be- possession. Yeah, it was halfway between water and ice, you know. Um and then they could sell it, and they would make that extra money, and that's how they would get their extra money for extra things, which is exactly what a slush fund is. It's extra money for extra things in your company hmm. or the government, things like that. Interesting. I just wonder how it went from being on those Navy boats to all of a sudden being used in, like, politics. Well, I think when it comes down to it, your money that you were getting from this slush, it's slush money, you know? and a lot of what we hear is, you know, coming from military terms. There was probably a lot of people working in these offices that had served, as well as a lot of people that, you know, were in these companies that had also served. And so they knew what slush money was. So if we're talking about extra money the company has, that's slush money. That's the slush fund. And also, I feel like with the, if you're in the service, you're from all around the world. So, like, when you're done serving your time, whatever, like, two, three years, you go back to wherever your hometown is, and those words that you used oh, on the boat for yeah. two, three years kind of carry over into whatever that profession or job that you get after serving on the boat and things like that. So, Sure. All right, Lisa, you're up. All right. Um, I stumbled into this one, and I've definitely used this one myself, uh, couch potato. Yeah. No, I'm no, a, you're not. No, I'm an, a retired couch potato. Um, so where in the heck does this come from? Because I know it means like lazy person, right? Yeah, like a lazy sedentary person. So this one doesn't have something that dates back to the 12th century or the 1500s. This dates back to like the 1970s. Okay, so it doesn't really date back that far. Like 50 years. I mean, but when we're talking about things from the 12th century, 15th century, ancient Greece, ancient sure, Egypt, sure. it's definitely not as far. Um, so it began as a phone call. So a guy by the name of <clears throat> Tamlesino in 1976 went to call a friend. 
And when he called the friend, the girlfriend picked up the phone. And he asked, he's like, where's the couch potato? And the girlfriend laughed. And he's like, he's actually sitting on the couch right now watching TV, right? They thought it was just a funny joke. No big deal, right? Um, and it actually kind of grew some momentum. So what ended up happening is, are you familiar with what they used to call TVs? Idiot boxes? The boob tube. Oh, but also idiot boxes. Right. And so I guess it was meant that if you watch TV, right, TV was for... Boobs? Boobs mean like idiots, like... Just oh, people. that term. Wow, yes. we have different definitions of the word boobs. <laughs> I think we're both correct. Yeah, if you're you're a boob, you yeah. were like a foolish person. Like it was for foolish people, so it wasn't yeah. something that people did, right? So it's not sophisticated to no. sit down and watch TV. You're a boob. No. So what ended up happening is the couch potato word kind of is another way to refer to someone who sits around and watches TV on the couch. The reason the, the word potato is used, surprisingly, yeah, is... Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how potato gets a bad rap here, because potatoes are delicious. So, potato, the part of the potato that we eat is called a tuber. Don't we eat the potato? But the part that we eat from the plant is a tuber. Is there another part to... I don't know a lot about agriculture. I don't know. I looked it up to confirm. I said, what? I looked it up. If we have anybody... Actually, I know we might, uh, and because I can see sort of the analytics of who streams the show we do have quite a following in like the midwest there's like iowa and nebraska if anybody out there just happens to know more about potatoes please comment on the instagram because i didn't know there was a part of the potato that we don't eat yeah so what ended up happening is you know this one phrase that just he said to his friend on the phone him and this other guy armstrong they, um, who's a cartoonist, they created a group called the Boob Tubers, and it was in response to this big health craze in California in the 70s, and their goal was just to kind of sit around on the couch and eat junk food, okay? Wait, are they anti this health craze? Yes. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> okay, so it even gets better, because, it, like, I have to go forward and then go backwards to explain how this got its, um, momentum. So then... There was the Tournament of Roses parade that happens at Pasadena, right? So these men and others, they created, um, to parody this event, they created the Judah Parade, okay? And I looked it up, still exists in Pasadena. It's just like a wacky event, right? Well, California's wild. It happens in Pasadena. And on in this parade, these two men, amongst others, they... Uh, Renamed themselves from the boob tubers to the couch potatoes. And they actually had a float in the parade where it was just a whole bunch of people sitting on couches watching a TV. What? So then, okay. First so off, are they hiring? Because I will quit my teaching <laughs> job right now if that pays any type of money. Okay, so where it really got the following from there, so this happened in, oh my goodness, um, I don't remember the exact year, but um, what happened was, is in 1979, the LA Times posted an article about this parade, right? And it says, and the couch potatoes who will be lying on couches watching television as they're, as they're towed 
toward the parade route. So they mentioned the name Couch Potatoes. Done. As soon as the media catches it. So the LA Times. So that's kind of where it grew its momentum. But what ended up happening is, so after it got so popular, Armstrong, the, the cartoonist guy, tried to trademark the term as just a couch potato being a trademark term. And he did not, was not able to do it because it's such a generic, like, widely used phrase at this point that he had kind of just missed the train on that one. So he wasn't able to trademark it because there wasn't a way to, like, pinpoint just that one specific use of it because it's used so widely. Yeah, I don't, semi-off topic, but not really. I remember in an article, I want to say last year or the year before, that LeBron James tried to trademark the term Taco Tuesday, and it got denied for the same reason. They just established that it was such a widely used mm-hmm. term that nobody could pinpoint. And he was making it, like, I don't want to say famous, because it was already a pretty famous thing, but he was doing, like, Instagram videos, you know, shouting it out and eating tacos, but he had also missed the train. Like, it had already been such a popular phrase that so many people used, they denied the trademark. But it kind of feels like a similar situation. Right, I just feel like it's it's funny. The word is literally, it has it has it's a literal meaning to it, and it just kind of works. And it's just about two guys who just started with, like, being against the health craze in California and kind of ran with it. And, like, because of the... LA Times and media outlets, it built us momentum, and now it's something that I feel like is used all the time to in TV shows, whenever the, the dad sits on the couch with the beer and doesn't leave the couch, it's a couch potato, right? Yeah, I. we talk about this every episode, I feel like, but the second something catches, an author uses it in a book, or uh, the New York Times, you know, any sort of media picks it up, it is almost etched in stone that that phrase is going to be around for a while. Well, because it's just the word of mouth and like, but did you hear what that, did you hear what the LA Times said? And you tell someone and that someone, it's just. Well, especially back then when that was their only source of information. Things like the newspaper and, you know, even the boob tube wasn't that popular. So we still see that today. You ever notice when a song that maybe nobody's cared about for 50 years. And then it shows up in a commercial or a TikTok video. Yeah, I was going to go with TikTok video and. And then it's the number one streaming song on Spotify. Oh, I've I've seen it. I think I've even heard it with like uh, Kelly or her own daughter. She's said like, "You don't hear this new song?" And I'm like, "What new song?" And we're and we'll listen to it. Like, oh, that's been around, or that trend has been around, or something, because yeah. it just gets a new audience to listen to it. I do. Speaking of TikTok, I do think like all the social media, whether it be TikTok or. Instagram or whatever, it is breeding a new generation of couch potatoes. Like they just kind of sit around and sit on their phones. I feel like unfortunately, nobody's as te- watching TV anymore. It's more I feel phone. like unfortunately, as teachers, I see the growing population wanting to do that too. Because whenever we have free time, I'm like, hang out, play a game. Can I get on my computer? Like, no, go play. But can I play a game on my computer? Like, no, go run around, go do play something. Play a game with a person. Right, go run around, go play tag do something get active so yeah definitely so finish us off what do you got for us all right so this one i always thought was one of the coolest phrases and uh, i'm sad to say i don't know that i've ever been called this but do you know what it means if somebody refers to you as a salt of the earth kind of guy i'm gonna take a wild guess but i feel like it's of something of like importance like good guess lisa would you care to elaborate I, I just, I feel like, I don't even know why I think that. I just feel like the salt of the earth 
feels like it's just an important. So that is it, right? If you're a salt, I don't know why. If you're a salt of the earth kind of guy, it means not necessarily important, but you're a good guy. You're an honest guy. You're a virtuous guy. So it actually comes from biblical terms. Okay. It's um, I'm not going to recite the whole thing, but it's uh, Matthew chapter five verse thirteen. Um, actually, I might as well recite it. Um, it says, you know, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So a lot to unpack there, but essentially, I think it's referencing that how important salt is. And if it loses that importance, then you can't use it for anything. And it got me thinking, I mean, I also love salt, but not necessarily to make our french fries taste better, right? If you're going back that far into history, salt wasn't, I mean, it was a seasoning, but it was way more than a seasoning. Seasoning. It was a way to preserve food. It's, uh, it's also a, oh, I don't want to say antibiotic, but I know that, you know. It's got medicinal it's purposes. It's got medicinal purposes because I know they say, like, gargling warm salt water will help with, like, a sore throat or a mucus or things yeah, like that. Sure. So it definitely has more than just, making food taste better for sure yeah it's got the medicinal purposes like you were talking about but it preserves food remember there was a time when refrigerators and ice didn't exist nope, well they had i guess to use ketchup to make food taste better oh man we should save that for food part three <laughs> um but so the how important salt was was kind of referencing and i guess this is what um the bible's trying to do is saying that if it loses that importance it's good for nothing so kind of letting you know don't lose your virtue don't lose what makes you good and honest and if you're a salt of the earth kind of guy you are as important you are as you know needed as salt was it's almost like staying true to yourself and not trying i feel like and when you lose that truth and when you when you're not that person anymore then what good are you you're not the man that you Hmm. used to be you're not the man so, again, I've heard I that. We should use that phrase more often. That's a nice phrase. I, I, like I love it. this phrase. And the second I read it, it clicked in me like, oh, I know exactly what this means. And then I sat for a second and go, I guess I know what it means, but why do we say that? And Which is, I guess, the whole point of this podcast. And I, I was really excited to kind of do a little bit more digging. I like that. It's just like a I such think, a meaningful meaning to it. It was just like being yourself and staying true to who you are. Otherwise, you're, I mean, essentially not, you're good for nothing because you're. Which, I mean, salt was everything, and if it mm-hmm. can't do what it needs to do, then it's good for nothing. Right. But I want to say, I don't know, what episode is this? Maybe 15 or 16 in total, something like that. Um, we don't find too many phrases that have roots in the Bible, um, which is interesting because of how long the Bible's been around and how many different countries you know incorporate the king james bible you know it's just sort of everywhere mm-hmm. so you think we would pull out more or maybe we do and we just haven't found those phrases yet so um we got lots more so hopefully we'll yeah, come got, across should, more of them you guys should see our doc it's just loaded so we'll <laughs> probably come across things that are from the bible and they just haven't come up yet um but i like how it hasn't changed its meaning like it hasn't been transformed into something else it's kind of saying it stayed true to what its original yeah Meaning has a lot of like we've seen a lot of phrases as generations go on, their meaning or their interpretation changes just slightly, but this one has kind of stayed true, which is nice to see as well. Yeah. All right. Our listener request this week um, was a buddy I work with, or I guess 
used to work with. Well, whatever. We're, we still, anyways, we're still coworkers, even though we don't work together anymore. I'm sure everybody listening is somebody like that. But it is the phrase, and he just thought it was funny. He says, to come on like gangbusters. Do you know what that means? Or have you at least ever heard that? I can tell you I've never said it, but I've definitely heard it. If something comes on like gangbusters. I think I've, no, I want to say I have, but I don't think I have. But hearing you say that makes you think it's just, like, you come on real strong. Yeah, so th- that's exactly the phrase. Just You're- like, even the way you said it, just comes, it means, to me, it sounds like just coming on very aggressively. Yeah, that's it. It means to come on aggressive, to come on. So, um, in the days of radio shows, right, and if you can hear our dog barking, barking in the background, I'm not sure how good these mics are, but if you can hear the dog barking in the background, just know we don't stop recording when she starts barking. Otherwise, we'd never finish an episode. She <laughs> so, barks at anything that walks on my block, but yes. it's okay. So, anyways, back to gangbusters. Um, in the days of radio shows, back before uh, the boob tube, there was radio shows that were essentially just like TV shows with sound effects and actors, and, and people would gather around their radio and listen to it. Okay. Well, there was a show called Gangbusters, right? It was sort of like, I guess... Like Cops? Uh, ish. It was like the original crime drama. You know, there there would be um, bad guys and cops. And um, Anyways, what happened was the show would start with a really loud, obnoxious siren. And that was sort of like the intro music. Okay. Well, when it was time for the show and everybody's gathered around the radio and that theme song hit for the show Gangbusters... It was loud and it was obnoxious, and everybody knew Gangbusters was on. Well, to come on like Gangbusters is just like that. Somebody comes on really strong, really hard, really fast. And, I mean, I guess the modern-day version of this, which, and I say this a lot, I was like, you know, he came in hot. You know, it's, it's coming hot. But Gangbusters being as popular, even though it was kind of obnoxiously loud, we, we get the phrase from that, even though nobody knows what Gangbusters is anymore, and you, nobody watches or listens to the show, and uh, it managed to stay around, which is so special to me, because that show was just on radio, and just their theme song has made its way into the modern-day language a hundred years later. I mean, when have you heard that phrase being used, though? I've heard it. Yeah, okay, it's not like, being have used you heard it? Have you day. heard it in, like, an old mobster movie? Or no, have you heard no, it no. from, like, an actual person you know personally? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, my the buddy, my buddy I used to work with brought it up, you know? So, okay. it's... I, I wouldn't say that it is... It's not a common... It's not common. No, not, not common, but known. To come on like gangbusters is known. I, I bet anybody listening to this over 40 probably knows what I'm talking about. Maybe 50. Whatever. On that note, (laughs) thanks for listening, everyone. And once again, your reminder, whether it's Apple or Spotify or, you know, Google or or YouTube. Hey, we forgot that. We're we're streaming on YouTube now, our episodes. Um, Not video. We are working on that, though, so stay tuned. Um, But wherever you're listening to, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, please rate and review our show. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Once Upon a Phrase and let us know any phrases that you would like us to cover here on the show. We'd love to share them with you. And if you are in the Chicagoland area, right around Andersonville, go give our buddies a try at Fat Chris's Pizza and such. You will not be disappointed. Bye, everyone. Bye.